0: This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. Thank the Lord for his goodness. Um, We're going to start a new series. This will go multiple weeks. Um. And um, if you got the text, we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments, but I'm not even going to hit number one today, uh, tonight, we're going to, over the next few weeks, and I may have different men uh, speak on different ones of the Ten Commandments, Um, but they're more than just words on a page, and um, so this series, I I may, I, I was thinking about a name for the series, I'm not a big series guy or anything like that, but um, this series is basically going to be called Revelations from the Throne. Um, and we're going to go multiple weeks. Like I said, it'll probably go at least 11 weeks because there's how many commandments? Ten. So we are going to be going through, and you do not want to miss this, um, if all possible, because each one um, is very powerful in their own right. Um, uh, you can't have one and really without the other. But And I'm just going to talk about the basics and some of the things in the background of the Ten Commandments and set up going up the next ten weeks of of the Ten Commandments now how many 's ever heard somebody go through and teach about the ten Commandments anybody if you 've been through a Bible study with me you've uh, on a, uh, with my wife and I we went through exploring god 's word if you 've been through the exploring god 's word uh, with brother Runyon, you would probably uh, hit a little bit of the ten commandments, but we 're actually going to take it um, Uh, week by week, and uh, subject matter by subject matter going through them. So, But tonight, the uh, topic of this, I shouldn't say the topic, but the title of this series is Revelations from the Throne. And some would say, well, how in the world does that equate to the Ten Commandments? And I will say thank you for asking, because I hope to clarify that. Um, A revelation um, is something that is a spiritual, that is spiritual, and communicated to us by God. It's something that God can do. Um, I can share the word of God with you. And you may understand it. But when God speaks to you. It becomes a revelation. Um, a couple of definitions of revelation is a surprising. Uh, and previously unknown fact. Especially one that is made known in a dramatic way. Somebody may say dramatic. And certain things... Know or dramatic, and when the Ten Commandments was given, it was dramatic. It was a dramatic experience, if you will. Um, another statement would be a revelation about someone's personal life, something you didn't know. You're like, wow, I've seen that person, but certain things are revealed. Another definition of revelation is a divine or supernatural disclosure to humans of something relating to human existence or the world, something divine, something beautiful, something from God. How many's ever had a revelation from the Lord? How many's ever read the Word of God, and the Lord just kind of sweeps down and say, "You're like, what? Where have I been all my life? Have I not ever seen this before? Have I never understood this before?" I find the more subjects that I do study, and the more things I I begin to uh, download from the Scriptures. And then I start putting those subject matters together. They start going together, start piecing together. Um, and I'll teach one thing, and then uh, I'll, I'll teach something else. And then I realize those things cross paths. They don't seem like they do, but they do. And it's revelations from God. Um, but the subject tonight is, is or the title of the series is Revelations from the Throne. Somebody say throne. How many you like to have a revelation from the throne of God? Straight from the throne of God. We find that in the book of Revelations, if you want to turn with me to Revelation chapter number 4. Uh, Revelation chapter number 4, verse number 1. And we will read, uh, Raphael, we will read Revelations 4, 1 through 5. And then Revelations 11 and 19. And Revelations 19. Um, It says, uh, Revelations 4, after this I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. Now, you can try to put an imagination of what that would sound like. Um, I've never had a trumpet talk to me, but you can kind of uh, try to, with your mind, try try to picture that. Which said, come up hither. And I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne. Somebody say a throne. A throne was set in heaven, and one sat upon the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And around about the throne were four and twenty beasts, And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne, somebody say out of the throne. Something proceeded out of the throne. Lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. The verse that I want to kind of point to your attention tonight is in verse number 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. I find that when I did a search on Scripture about the throne of God, and when something comes out of the throne of God, it comes with lightning, thunderings, and voices. I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture just a little bit. It goes on to say, Psalms 77 and 18. Um, I think I missed a Scripture here, brother. Let's go to Revelations 11 and 19. Let's go there first. And the temple of God was open in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the Ark of the Testament. Somebody know what the Ark of the Testament is? What is the Ark of the Testament? All right. We need to have another Bible study. What's the Ark of the Testament? I'm not going to give it away. Anybody? What is it referring to? The Ark of the Covenant. What was in the Ark of the Covenant? The Ten Commandments, which come from the throne of God. So we find in Scripture here, it says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in His temple the Ark of the Testament. And there were what? Lightnings, voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and a great hail. In Revelation 19, it talks about what was around the throne and what come out of the throne. And let's, uh, let's, let's read on just a little bit here in Revelations 19. I didn't finish that. I should have finished it. And a voice came out of the throne, verse number 5, Revelations 19. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his saints, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters. And as a voice of mighty thunderings, saying hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Somebody has ever heard that verse before. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Guess what's going to happen when God comes back for his church? There's going to be thunderings and lightnings. There's going to be a voice that comes from heaven. There's going to be a trumpet that will sound. Somebody say, amen, there's going to be a trumpet. The Lord shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those that are alive and remain will be caught up with him to meet him in the air. There's going to be a a great day. I said that's going to be a great day. It's going to be an incredible occasion. It will be filled with so many things that we have never seen before. It will be coming straight from the throne of God, calling his children back home. Psalm 77 and 18, the voice of thy thunder was in heaven, and the lightnings lightened the world, and the earth trembled and it shook. What's in heaven? The Bible says that the throne of God is in heaven. Jeremiah 51 and 16, when he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens. And he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightning and rain, or with rain, and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. When God speaks from the throne, God's presence begins to speak, things begin to change. Lives begin to change. Our, our, our seasons begin to change. There, are, There is things that happen when God uttereth His voice. Now, I have never heard the audible presence of God or the voice of God, but I, I, I almost would tremble at the place if God walked into this room and His presence was so great that we could actually hear His voice. I, I wonder how many of us would fall to our knees in that moment. I wonder how many of us would find a place to pray or perhaps find a place to just lay down prostrate before, before God and say, Lord, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Or, or you would just begin to worship God and thank the Lord. And maybe some of us would begin to repent immediately because you would see and hear the voice of God that would come with such power, with such majestic force, if you will. We find that there's many of the scriptures that talk about the thunderings and the lightnings and the things, the voice of God. And many of it refers to, if not all that I didn't exhaust it, but many of them that I found refer to them coming out of the throne of God. And there's something to be said that when you receive a revelation from the throne of God, there's power in that. We find in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter number 20. Let's go there. Exodus chapter number 20, verse number 18. Now, Exodus 20 is what? Does anybody know what's in Exodus 20? The Ten Commandments. I'm going to show you what happened when Moses was going up and down that mountain. The people were afraid. Exodus 20 and 18, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet. And the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed, they removed and stood afar off. They knew that the Lord would begin to speak. I said they knew that the Lord began to speak. In fact, we find it in scripture that they said, Moses, we don't want to hear straight from God Himself. We would rather you tell us exactly what He says. what they says. Because they were fearful of the moving. And the majesty and the words and the thunderings and the lightnings that God was representing. So I put those pieces together to tell you that the Ten Commandments come straight from the throne of God. They come from the throne of God. We find, and I will give more um, justice to this too to kind of solidify that point. We find that. We find in Exodus 20 and then also in Deuteronomy chapter number 5 is listed the Ten Commandments. But we also find, after I did some studying and listening to some other minister describe where else, but did you know that the Ten Commandments are listed somewhere else as well? Ten Commandments is listed in Leviticus chapter number 19. And I'm going to show you in Scripture. I wrote down notes today. This is I did not study to find this. I was doing some studying and listening to somebody, uh, and they brought this particular point out. And I want to show you in Scripture that, uh, that when somebody says it's also in another chapter, it is uh, in Leviticus number chapter number 19. But let's preface this. Exodus 20 starts um, with this. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. And it starts... Uh, in, in that fashion, if you will. But in Deuteronomy, it starts, and Moses called all Israel. Deuteronomy chapter number 5, verse number 1. If you want to follow with me, I don't want to go too fast here. i got a lot to cover, and we're not even going to get to the first 10 commandments. So, um, Deuteronomy chapter number 5. Uh, let's go there, verse number 1. And Moses called all of Israel, and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak, In your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep them. And what else? Verse number 2, and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. Verse number 3, and the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. Verse number 4, we'll go through verse number 5, and the Lord talked with you face to face, In the mount out of the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord, for ye were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up into the mount, saying, let's go to verse number 6, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Find that Exodus 20 verse number 1, and Deuteronomy 5, somewhat parallel, but in Deuteronomy 5 we find a little bit different because this is the second tablet of stones. So we find that there is the Ten Commandments is also listed in Leviticus chapter number 19. Now, um, I'll need somebody's help here today. Um, I need somebody to stay at Exodus chapter number 20. And I want you to read the Ten Commandments. And then maybe all of us could actually go hold a finger, either Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, and then keep a, a space at Leviticus 19. And um, uh, we're going to compare where we find where Leviticus 19 Exodus 20 or the Ten Commandments are mentioned. Um, What's the first commandment? What is it? Thou shalt not have unto the gods before me. All right. Exodus chapter number 19, verse number 36 and 37. Somebody read that for me. Leviticus. Leviticus nineteen, thirty-six and thirty-seven. Verse number thirty-seven. It said, "My statutes, nothing else." That is number one. Leviticus nineteen. The the first commandment is listed there. The number two, what's the second commandment? Thou shalt not make thee any graven images. All right, let's go to Leviticus 19 and 4. Good, there's number two. All right, Sister Michelle is going to be our reader out of Leviticus, all right? All right, verse number, th- who is the third? What is the third uh, commandment? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. All right, Leviticus, verse number tw- 19, or chapter number 19, verse number 12. Do not profane the name of the Lord. Don't use his name falsely. I think that matches up quite well. All right, what was that? That was number four. That uh, was number three. All right, number four. What's the fourth commandment? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it. Ho- I cannot wait till we get to that commandment. I feel the Holy Ghost every time I read that. Number four. All right, verse number three, Michelle. Keep my what? Keep my Sabbaths. All right. All right. Uh, Number, what's the fifth one? Honor your parents. Nice quick version, right? Honor your parents. Exactly right. All right. Verse number three again. What does that say? We already read it. You should fear your mother and your father. Honor them. Reverence them. All right. Number Six. Shall not murder. Verse number seventeen of Leviticus nineteen. Thou shalt not hate thy brother. What does Jesus say? That you have hatred in your heart, you might as well have murder in your heart. Okay. All right. What's the next one? Verse uh, number seven. Not commit adultery. Let's look at verse number 20 and verse number 29, Michelle. It's not free, and then verse number 29. Thou shalt not commit adultery. All right? Thou shalt not steal. Number 8. Number 8 is found in verse number 11. All right? That was pretty self-explanatory there. All right? Verse And number 9. Shall not bear false witness. Number 9 is found in verse number 11, 13, and 16. Deal falsely, right? Thirteen. All right, and verse number sixteen. He says, I am the Lord. All right, and we're coming to the last one. Uh, Number 10, which is what? They shall not covet. That is found in verse number 9 and 10 of Leviticus 19. Amen. So how does that work? When the Bible says thou shalt not covet, when they, when they, they would seal their fields, they would bring, uh, they would have these fields, the Bible says that the corners of the fields was for the poor. Covetousness means that if you're taking something that's not yours. So if they planted that field and that man would wanted the field all to himself, he was coveting what really belongs to somebody else. Everybody understand what that means? Coveting, he would, he would take the whole field for himself, and says, "I'm not given to anybody." But the law said, "You must give of that, and if you don't, you are coveting what is not yours, or you are coveting, which is saying that you do not want anybody else. Uh, you want what is not yours." Find that the collective. We've just. I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of understanding. It's more than in one place in the Bible or two places in the Bible. You see, the commandments are a collective. Somebody say collective. Collective law of God. Each one we need. You can't have nine and negate one. You have to accept them all. Many of us will say justify certain things. Um, I did some study a few years back on... On the, uh, the, I remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy has re- completely revolutionized my understanding of the Sabbath. It rely- and some other things this past week we were talking and I was uh, eavesdropping on a conversation between Paul and, and uh, Brother Mike. And they were talking about one of the Ten Commandments. And they began to express. And I'm like, man, it's just, it's just so rich of, of, what we, uh, uh, of what we understand the, these, this great law to be. The Bible actually calls it the Decalogue. Somebody say the Decalogue. It is the Ten Laws of God. Other words to describe the law or commandments or its ordinances, precepts, or principles. That's what the Bible can declare. So let's break it down to what does command or commandment mean. Commandment in the Hebrew word is mitzvah. Somebody say mitzvah. Now when you say that, don't spit on your neighbor. Mitzvah. Mitzvah. The word is very important in the Jewish community. You may recognize the word. Um, Put a word in front of that, you get bar mitzvah. Y'all are man, y'all are good. You're on Everybody drink your coffee on before you got here tonight. Um, So when a young boy comes of age at 13, they celebrate bar mitzvah, uh, which means the son of the law. That's exactly what bar mitzvah means. It's the son of the law. In other words, that young boy at 13 is now going to be held accountable for the laws and the statutes that he has been taught up to that point. Up to that point, they excused him. He, he could get away with childish things, but when he come of age, he was not going to get away with childish things any longer. He had to be a young man. The young man was able to worship in the public place at age of 13. But he was now held to the ways of God as a young adult. He was to put away childish things and now be held accountable for his actions, held accountable for his heart, held accountable for his life. It is a coming of age. Bar Mitzvah, a son of the law. It is even pronounced that... uh, even in today and says societies that you have friends and I know of friends that have been Jewish. They had been go through their, their kids have gone through like a bar mitzvah and I really didn't know what all that was other than it was a um, uh, something of a young man coming of age and uh, if a young girl uh, they have a bat mitzvah. I think it's B A T. Am I right on that? Bat mitzvah and they have a coming of age ceremony and that is the same thing. There's a daughter of the law. Coming of age, coming to the knowledge, and accountable for their actions. Uh, the religious initiation ceremony of this Jewish boy or girl, when they reach the age of thirteen, is and is regarded as ready to also to observe. Somebody say observe, observe religious precepts. How many of our kids today? Uh, have been taught enough that at age 13 they could observe the great laws of God and live the great laws of God. I believe that we're doing our kids a disservice and not teaching them at, the, at a young age about the things of God. Here's what, how I know this, and this is the way I kind of feel, is that um, we should not have to, you should not have to rely on the Sunday school department to teach your kids the laws of God. Believe, it started in the home. Now, when they come to the house of God, it's a time of celebration. There, there, there's, there's great intentional, uh, uh, when, when you have a, a son or a daughter, there was great intention. And many, even in the New Testament, we find that the, 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 the apostles and different men, they will go off to college at a young age of 12, 13, 14 years of age. They would go off for about six or seven years even to go off to college. They would leave their family at 12. In fact, Jesus' ministry started at 12 years of age. His, his, uh, he began to teach in a synagogue at that age. We find that I think it, in some ways that we, um, you know, we need to teach our kids to have reverence for the word of God and the laws of God and the things of God. And we're trying to be intentional in our teachings, um, in, our, in our Sunday school and different things. We want to make sure our kids, by the time they go to nursery or even in the first, the first class out of nursery, that by the time they come into the youth class, they are filled with the Holy Ghost. They're baptized in Jesus' name. They can understand the fundamental doctrine of Jesus Christ. They can understand what it means to live for the Lord, to live a separated life, a holy life so that when they do come about 13, 12, or 13, they're not ashamed of the gospel. They know the gospel, and they know what it's like to live for the Lord. But we need families that will teach, that will train, coming alongside. Well, actually, the church comes alongside of the parents to lead your children.
1: That's really the way it goes.
0: So I begin to do more study and and um, begin to think about the law of God and the, the, you know, why tablets of stone and why there? Did you know that Moses actually tended to his flock close to Mount Sinai, where he received the Ten Commandments? He was out that far; he was that far away from Egypt, and so he was familiar with that territory. He was familiar with that the surroundings. He was familiar, perhaps even with Mount Sinai itself. Maybe he had lived, gone up that mountain before, but that is. Pure speculation, I'm not saying that that actually happened, but maybe he knew the way already, and maybe he understood the, uh, the, the mapping of that area. But I find that I begin to go back into Egy- Egyptian law, and this is all self-study, so if you know more about Egyptian law than me, then maybe I need to talk to you later on, and you can help me understand. But just in a, in a, in a quick, deep dive into Egyptian law, there was a great difference between the law of God and the law of the Egyptian people. And I never knew this before I studied this out a little bit, but um, you see that the law of God came on tablets of stone. They were written laws. Everybody say written laws. Expressed, written from God on tablets of stone for the children of Israel. And I just, I don't know, maybe my curiosity got the best of me and I began to study that and to understand, okay, what in this? So in the, this, this, this giving of the law was so powerful and so, um, if I could say this word, I have it typed out, momentous. I typed it right. I had to do the spell check to get that word right. This event was momentous and Exceptional. There was thunderings, there was lightnings, there were, you can't walk on that mountain. Even if a beast touched that mountain, that beast would die. There was a wall that was set up uh, around the mountain. He said, do not cross. If you cross this line, then something, that person or that animal would die if you were not invited past that that wall by God, and, and we but we find that this was so mintous and so different. When we look at the laws of God, we we have the written word of God and we have the written things of God, and and we take that for granted. But the children of Israel had no writings up to that point, no writings up to that moment. In fact, they were in Egypt for how many years? Anybody know? Four hundred years. They went in with seventy. And then there was a couple million at the time after the 400 years. Uh, a couple million Jews. But we find in Egyptian law that even to this day there is not written law of the ancient Egyptians. Now they have written law today. But back in ancient, there you cannot find any written laws. There was nothing that they wrote down. In fact, they got the goddess Mat, M-A apostrophe A-T, it was the goddess of justice, and it was more or less a moral law. Whatever you felt was fair. It was that if you went to the courts, they had a lower court and a higher court. If you went to the lower court, you went with your evidence, and that, uh, uh, that the group of elders would sit there, and they would listen to, your, listen to the story, and then the next person, the other party that was afflicted or was a part of that, they would tell their story, and there was no written law to dictate the decision. The, the law was simply says okay, now what's fair? Did you do this and did you do that? Okay, then uh, you all need to either work it out or you need to do this. There was no written law. In fact, that it would say that if you did not like the decision of the lower courts, you could go to the high courts. This was the visitor of the, of the pharaoh. The visitor of the pharaoh would be the guy that could speak on behalf of the pharaoh. And if you went before him, then you, uh, if, if you did not bring new evidence, or you did not bring a, a, fresh, a fresh look on things, then he could either give you a severe penalty or he could help you if you did win. But he could, he could help you in one way or another. But there was no written laws in ancient Egypt. So when the children of Israel walked out of Egypt, it was foreign to them to receive written laws. It, w- it was something that was completely unknown to them. They never had these ten commandments. They they had their own uh, words from God. They had understanding understand the, the generations that was the things that were told from generation to generation. But only seventy went into Egypt and two million. How much of that would had lost its flavor through the years? How much of the the stories? You know, if we started over here, and if you may have seen the. Um, Uh, Things on YouTube or uh, you have a line of people and you one whispers something to somebody and that person whispers to somebody else and that person whispers a statement to somebody else. And by the end of it, it sounds nothing like what the end or what the start was at the end of the story. Somebody's texting me. I better shut my phone off. That ding in. That was my phone. My friend actually answered his phone one time teaching. Like, I won't say what pastor it was, but he's a good friend of mine. Teasing till this day. Must have been an important phone call. But um, but we find that when the children of Israel left Egypt, they it was written law was foreign to them. And you know when people come to the house of God and come from this world, they come from an immoral law in this world where anything goes, and when they come into the house of God and all of a sudden that we have this principles to live by and we have a word of God, it is foreign to people in this world to come to a written law of God. It is foreign. How many uh, come to the Lord from this world and you didn't know anything about the Bible, you come to the Lord and you're just kind of like, this is all new to me, I actually got to read this thing? I mean, 66 books, how am I supposed to obtain everything that's in here? I mean, and then they got the book of Exodus. They wrote down or book of Leviticus. Heard one man say many a bread program was halted, stop when it comes to Leviticus. People kind of gave up. I'm not reading through the Bible. I can't get through Leviticus. So many different things, and just one thing after another. It's kind of monotonous, if you will. But each word is very important. But it's just one of those books, you know. But in the legal system in ancient Egypt, it was based off of just a, a moral code. But what I have found is if you, if you, if, if you um, live off of just a moral code of society, that will change over time. The morality of this world is changing ever so slightly and moving further and further away from God. That's why it's important that we don't just live by the whims of the things of this world. We have the Word of God that never changes and is already settled. So when people come out of this world, don't put, go put them through the paces of uh, you need to do this and you need to do that. You know, they, they, this is a lot to have to deal with when they don't come with any written Word of this world. All they have is social media. And by God, that is not something to live by. You know the world today says you do whatever you want to do and whatever makes you happy. That's so far from God. God wants to bless us, and we can live happily upon this world and this earth. But my true happiness, the true love for the things that only comes from God. It's really only where it comes, only place it comes from. It's not come from. Things of this world, material things. Happiness does not happen from those things. I, I've talked to many people and counseled many people, and, and are, you can see the pattern of their life going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, trying to satisfy a longing that only can be filled by the presence of God. What happens to this world? That This world will all, all the time move the needle. You try to please man, man will always move that needle so they can keep your attention. You ever... When I was in a job, job market, and I was working at a dealership, and we was a hundred, I was a hundred percent commission, no salary, no hourly, it was a hundred percent commission, and I knew that going in, and and I was happy to work for commission. I I'm not afraid of working on commission. Um, I have a, I think a good enough personality that I can, I can get people to say yes. And. Um, uh, so I made it my mission not to really focus on the money. I focused on if I can get somebody that comes in with a frown and their car's falling apart, if I can get them to say thank you, shake my hand, and give me a smile, I'm successful. That was my goal. Because that, that if I got that, then they'll come back to me again and again and again. So, I, I, But I found that over the, I don't know, I was in, we was in Kentucky for nine and a half years, and I worked at the same place for all nine and a half years, that, that at one time or another, that if my boss didn't like how much money we were making on commission, he would change the rules. How many's ever been in one of those jobs? And they would change the rules and say, okay, uh, we're going to just touch, touch it up just for a little bit. Now, that it, you have to, in order to qualify for this percentage, that you have to meet this standard. I'm like, wait a minute. Last month, I can make that because the standard was this, but the standard changed. And then all of a sudden you find yourself acting differently because the standard changed. And then they would find that we would find out the secret sauce to make good money and that. And then they would say, well, oh, we gotta, we're gotta, we going to make a change here now. And they would make the change. And I, I kind of got fed up with that. And. A couple of friends of mine that worked, worked there, they, they were getting upset about it. So I began to we prayed about it. And, and I said, God, this is kind of ridiculous, you know. And, and, uh, and the Lord, uh, I believe, saw favor on me and, and, um, uh, at that job. And, and my boss come to me and he said, Tim, I wanted to tell you. He said, um, he said we're going to keep your commission the same no matter what. He said, you're going to earn a certain percentage every month and you don't have to worry about all those things that constantly move your percentage will be always the same. So if you sell $50,000 or $100,000 this month, your percentage will be exactly the same. So I didn't have to manipulate around all those standards that move, and God blessed me because of that. I believe that's what God, uh, I didn't have to worry about those things. I could just worry about doing my job and not moving, trying to figure out how to meet that moving benchmark. But you see, that's what the world does. There's a constantly moving of moral code in this world, but the Lord gives us a word, gives us something that is written down that we don't have to question. I say we don't have to question. They came out of Egypt. They're like, man, this is different. I, we didn't have a written law before, but now we do, and we just was able to go to the lower court or the upper court and try to uh, uh, try to try to get these things in order, but. Now we have a written law. Maybe they were kind of confused. But in the end, all it was doing is making sure they knew exactly what to do and how to act. And the Bible teaches us that he, the Lord, never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, if many of us would read the scripture of the Ten Commandments, of this great law that we have, and then we went back next month, and the Lord switched it around and say, okay. All right, we're going to change things up here a little bit. Some of y'all are getting too close to me. We want to make sure we need to move this law over a little bit. I'm glad that the Lord never did that. Amen? The law is the same for Brother Hively as it is for Anna, as it is for Brother Richard over here. The law is the same for everybody. The Bible says, Thou not shall make unto thee any graven image. That goes for everybody. It's a written law, there's no confusion about that. The Bible says, "Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy." there's no confusion about that. That is what it is, and that's how we should live. You see when God does not you see, God does not build His commandments on what feels good or what the current moral code is. He establishes His word and stands by it. Somebody say he stands by it. That's what I like about it. When He says it. He stands by it. And when he says it, he puts his name on it. I'll prove that to you real quick. Exodus chapter number 20, verse number 1. And God spake all these things, all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God. I'm thankful the Lord is not afraid to put his name on it. Not afraid to say, well, you know, (laughs) Oh, so-and-so said this. But I'm, I'm thankful he didn't have the, the attitude of an Adam or an Eve. He has the attitude that says, I will stand by my word. Exodus 24. And I'm coming to a close. I don't know if I'll get through everything. We need to get through tonight, but we'll we'll see. Exodus 24 and 10. And they saw God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stones. Somebody say sapphire. As it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. Now, there is some. This is the only stone that was mentioned in the times of going up and down the uh, mountain that I found um, of what. Referenced so the Bible says the stone tab tablets, um, and it says sapphire right here in scripture. So we can kind of put two and two together, it's not a hundred percent clear. Let me say that, but it's uh, it's, it's in sapphire stone that the Bible actually expresses the sapphire stone. And, and so many times, if you watch the movie Ten Commandments, I think they had poured concrete you know, uh, what that looks like poured concrete and tablets, Ten, Ten Commandments. We see uh, Charlton Heston with concrete poured, you know, got the tablets of stone. But I just want to picture in your mind, I don't think the Lord used just ordinary concrete or just ordinary stone. It was fashioned by thunders and lightnings and in, in the hand of God. And, and it references here that sapphire stone. I, I wonder if Moses was holding sapphire stones written by God. Ezekiel 1. Verse 26 expresses and kind of and it helps that. I'm using one scripture to kind of validate another one. The Bible says in Ezekiel 1:26 that above the expanse over their heads was something like a throne. Somebody say a throne, resembling a sapphire stone. John talks about it being a, a different, seeing different stones out of that throne. So if this word's came from the throne, and I would think that the stone that he used would also reflect the throne of God. So Ezekiel was saying that above the shape of the throne was a figure of a human appearance, but he was saying resembling a sapphire stone. Walking in Exodus 24 and 10, we find that, is that we're a paved work of a sapphire stone. It was under his feet as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. When the Lord speaks from his throne, it's going to appear like it's coming from his throne. When the throne of God is is what we mentioned earlier, of the thunderings and lightnings and smoke and earthquakes, all those experiences were in Exodus chapter number 20, when God begins to reveal something, From his throne. The revelations. From the throne of God. When we begin to over the next few weeks. Begin and get into the ten commandments. I do not want you to take them lightly. I don't want us to look at them. And pass over them like they're just another word on a page. But I believe tonight. Without a shadow of a doubt. These are words from the throne of God. They are to be spoken with conviction. They ought to be lived with conviction. They need to be loved. They need to be reverenced. In fact, the priests in the Old Testament would actually have the words sewn into their garments to hold them close. Because I truly believe that when you factor in that if you were there at Mount Sinai, Saw the thundering and saw the lightning and saw the smoke and saw the potential of death that if you would cross over the the base of that mountain or or if you saw the Moses's face as he come down and how it was changed and how he would had seen God and how he'd been, he been he he had he had spoken to God, and if you'd have seen all those things, maybe we too would fear God a little bit differently. I find that these words of the Ten Commandments is more than just 10 different laws that we should or should not go by. But it is very clear to me throughout Scripture. And I'm just scratched the surface of this study, even in the things, but this is coming from the throne of God. Somebody say, Amen. Let's stand together right now. Next week, we will talk about. Do not make, somebody say make, unto thee any graven image. Make. When you make something, it's something that comes out of you. When you make a graven image, it's out of your soul. That's out of your identity. You're trying to make something more pleasing to you than God. We'll get into... Um, thou shalt not have no other gods before me. Let me just say this. Um, I'll probably hit this a little bit next week, and I, I'm—I don't know—we'll—we'll we'll see how it goes. But the—the the thing that's—I have this chapter highlighted and written all over in, in this chapter. But Exodus 20 verses one and and two, I think, are so profound and so simple. God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. I think that's so profound is because that scripture right there is for each one of us in here. The Lord God brought you out of Egypt and has brought us out of bondage brought us out of the place of this world and is setting some things in order in our life. Now we're just, some of this we may spend a little more time on than others. Some commandments I may go two weeks on. I don't, I don't know. Because these are more than just ceremonial laws, but they are laws that are visited time and time again throughout Scripture and in the New Testament. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to condemn the law, but he come to Fulfill it. So, we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ throughout this study as well. How many agree that this needs to be talked about? Amen. Amen. So, let's pray and ask the Lord to be with us here tonight and ask God to protect us on our way home, but also take this with us and to prepare our hearts for the coming weeks. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought us out of bondage. I find it very interesting. That I had one man share with me a long time ago, a while ago, that these ten laws are not just ten. He says throughout Scripture, and I can find a bunch of them that find out through Scripture that there are over 3,000 lesser laws that you'll break before you get to the ten. There's A lot of lesser things that you could hide from everybody. You may not commit adultery, but you can do it in your heart, in your spirit, and what you see, what you do. Where you go in places. You may not kill somebody, but you want to pull an axe out and hurl it at them. There's the things of the heart that we have to deal with. And that's really where these Ten Commandments are going. The matter of the heart. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.